0: listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level elections within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 164. I'm your host, András Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. stock 6 million signatures!
1: Oh, is that for Brexit, (laughs) Palava? I'm bored with this. Uh, Brexit, what's new? Come on. Yeah, 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 fucking Brexit. Yeah,
0: and according to People's Vote, there were one million people marching on the streets of London, but that has been massively questioned by some authorities as well, so... Of course it has. Yeah. Of course it has. But come on, even if it's just half a million people, it's a fucking crowd, massive crowd of people marching for something. So Much
1: bigger than than Trump inauguration crowd, I have to tell you.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and much bigger than a crowd that we have ever seen here in Hungary protesting against anything. No, so no, it's no. It's yeah.
2: amazing. We'll see what happens. It could be that Jelena, you will be calling in from outside of the EU, but uh, we'll see. I don't. Well, somehow I think it's not going to happen.
1: I, I am very pessimistic. I think it'll be no deal brec- breakfast. I keep calling it breakfast. No deal breakfast. Brexit.
0: Yeah, breakfast is
1: breakfast.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> um, no, th- th- full English Brexit.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be no deal Brexit, and that'll be the end of it. The end of what? She won't be able to pass any- anything meaningful. She's tried for how many? Years? Come on, guys. It's been. This is. Uh... I
2: wish I could have that many chances on doing one thing as she has.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, oh, and she's I still don't...
0: in position. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, that. That's my pessimistic approach to the whole thing. I'm kind of thinking it's just
0: you know you know uh, uh, one thing why I'm, I'm I'm really optimistic about it um, is uh, that I kind of considered this already as a, as a bit of a competition. So I'd like to see us beating them, um, the UK, in leaving the EU.
2: You mean us? You mean Hungary, not the no, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. European us, Skeptics us.
0: podcast. Not the European Skeptics podcast. Mm. I mean, I'm not looking forward to it. It's just uh, something that uh, unfortunately can happen uh, if we're not cautious enough. Yeah, because um, our prime minister. Might find it easier because anyway, because of the sanctions and stuff.
2: Nobody wants him. Nobody wants him.
0: He'll be Nobody kicked out him. rather than than uh, try. And to, you if know. the money stops flowing in, Ooh. he will have n- no reason to to keep the the country within the EU anymore. Hmm. Because then he's gonna have to um, get in tight relations with, for example, uh, Vladimir Putin. Vladimir.
1: Ah, yeah. good old Vladimir, Vlad. yeah. Volod,
3: Volodya! <laughs> all
0: right, okay. So we are all optimistic, but I'm pretty optimistic about something that is about to happen. I mean, not not in the near future, but later this year. I understand that the program is out for the European Skeptics Congress.
2: Oh yes, we will see you all in Ghent, mm-hmm. in uh, Belgium. Uh, on the 29th of August and a couple of days following, uh, it'll be great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really looking forward to that. I don't care whether we are in the EU by then or not, um, uh, still in inside uh, that, that circle. Uh, we are definitely going to be there at the European Skeptics Congress.
2: Uh, I think Belgium will still be in the EU by, by August. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I'm yeah. willing to bet on that
0: yeah so the the
2: (laughs) website is esc2019.be so you can go there and look and of course we put it in the show notes but you can go there and have a
0: look does that mean that we finally left the euroskeptics gone domain behind
2: i hope so i hope so that was (laughs) very confusing
0: that was so misleading so now instead we
2: will be confused with the european european song contest right
0: the eurovision you mean eurovision
2: eurovision song song contest that's what i mean yes
0: yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. oh well anyway i I think it's it's a long-lasting confusion already so yeah
2: it is uh, it is
0: it's it's been going on for a while but the european skeptics congress will not be the only skeptical convention of this year that we talk about on this show because we recently uh, recorded an interview with anika merkelbach uh, from germany Uh, who will attend SkepCon, and she knows a lot about it, so we discuss that and other stuff. So before we go on to our regular segments, why don't we start the show with our interview with Annika? Occasionally, we interview someone uh, from the field of skepticism who's active in any kind of international collaboration or um, on a national organization. Today, we welcome back to the show Annika Merkelbach from Germany. And uh, she's a member of Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia and recently does lots of interviews for Skeptical Inquirer uh, with um, skeptics from around the world. But she's here with us today also to talk about an upcoming event in Germany. Annika, welcome back to the show. Hi, hi. Woohoo! welcome back.
4: Yeah, good to have you.
0: Yes, always. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been quite long, but uh, you've been very active since you appeared last time on the show. So what have you been up to?
4: It's pretty funny because I think like it pretty much started with, with the interview on DSP and then it just like ran on.
0: <laughs> okay, So, tell us more.
4: Yeah, it, well, I was at QED. I... Wrote um, interviews for the Skeptical Inquirer, I wrote um, articles for the German Skeptica magazine, and I just had a real, yeah, yeah, really a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, very good. We have that effect on people. So if they come
0: on our show, then they, <laughs> their careers as skeptics, they just it just takes off.
4: You're lucky fairies.
0: Oh, we are like stepping stones. That's really good. <laughs> or incubators.
4: Skepstones.
0: Yeah. stones, <laughs> Okay, that's that's mm-hmm. more like it. You I know, like. So how does how does one end up writing articles for or interviews for Skeptical Inquirer?
4: Um, I think I did a Susan on them and just bothered them long enough. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. Just Maybe, so, so so tell us more about that expression. Did a Susan on them?
4: Yep. What so
0: what what what's that? What's that thing? What
4: <laughs> that means um that you just make an effort and do your best and do it long enough to people saying, "Hey, that's actually nice." Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so then they, that's how, they can't how it I- goes on.
2: They can't ignore you anymore.
4: Yeah, exactly.
2: Maybe you should just take two seconds to to tell what the skeptical Enquirer is. Oh yeah, for listeners who don't know.
4: And I of course, should also say that they uh, they were very supportive from the start. Like. Um, <clears throat> they are the magazine of CSI.
2: And CSI is?
4: Yeah, CSI is the American Skeptical Organization, the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. The, like They also have their own conference, and yeah, it's like the American skeptical organization, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the Skeptical Inquiry is their magazine to speak out, so it's their m- means of outreach.
0: Okay. And but they they occasionally publish articles not only in English but also in uh, Spanish. Yes. So when is German coming up?
4: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I can ask them. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do have some some German readers, but I think like the majority is really like international readers where English is the lingua franca, like also yeah, you yeah. are doing right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you we we mentioned Susan. How are things with uh, Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia?
4: Well, actually, I think we're having a run right now. Um, Susan just had a very cool achievement, um, of publishing one of her psychic stings in the New York Times. And, um, we also got mentioned on the SGU, um, a few times. So it's really cool. And we got a lot, a lot of new members and um, I'm of course still busy with writing German stuff Um, and yeah we also still need uh, German editors because um, yeah right now I think we have two or three people active but we can of course also always use more
0: yeah well it's it's not too many for a language that has about a hundred million speakers right
4: Yeah.
2: yeah yeah exactly So you mentioned SGU, of course, being the skeptic's guide to the universe. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So Annika, can you tell us about the the latest interviews you've done in the Skeptical Enquirer? Who have you been interviewing?
4: So um, I've been interviewing, um, it started with Dr. Anna Zagriesson, who's um, a Swedish scientist who lives in Germany. Then I interviewed Natalie Grams on her um, new upcoming book in English, or oh, it's not a new book, but she translated it into English. Then I did an interview on the uh, European Skeptics Congress, and the very um, latest one is an interview with Pixie Turner.
0: Yay. Yeah, Some of whom we also have interviewed on this show.
4: Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's very funny. I think we are... Um, yeah, starting to interview the same guys <laughs> <on> the same girls.
2: <laughs> but we haven't had Anasakison on the on the show. We we maybe we should do that. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I think I think I would enjoy that. <laughs> and I think like I've I've also um I've got some other interviews prepared, but of course I also don't wanna have um four interviews out at the same time <laughs> i don't want to spam ah, okay upcoming interviews are for i can give you a little sneak peek <laughs> are okay for example with amadeo sama mm-hmm.
2: okay Ah. oh really yeah
4: or with uh, Lydia bedecke who is a german um yeah, psychologist and psychiatrist.
0: And for, for our listeners, Amadeo Sarma is uh, chairman of the German Skeptical Organization, GVOP. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and he also uh, founded it. So it's yeah, he's yeah. a very, very interesting person. Yeah. So Annika, we, we have uh, mentioned um, in our pr-
1: past programs uh, the Skeptical Conference in Germany that is coming up. In fact,
4: we're getting close now. Do you have any updates for us? Yes, so it will be in the end of May and the program is already out and I'm very excited um, because it looks very interesting. Um, they have a lot of, yeah, maybe like famous but also known faces, but also uh, new new people there. They have, I think, the biggest um, scientific, like science communication podcast in, in German there, um, which is called Methodisch Inkorrekt um they have a songwriter there um so it will be such a good um thing to go to it will be such a good uh, conference so tell
2: us where it is and when it's starting
4: so it starts on the 30th of may which is a holiday so it's a thursday but it's a holiday in germany Um, It will go on on the 31st and it will end on on Saturday, the 1st of June. And it will be in Augsburg. So that's Bavaria for those who don't live in Germany. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay. It's a very important uh, place uh, in Hungarian history. Actually,
4: yes, it is <laughs> with the Majorans.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Majarins who, who were finally defeated and uh, the era of the grand raids across Europe
4: with Otto the Great ended great and there,
0: yeah. Otto the, the Great, battle, exactly. battle
4: of Lechfeld.
0: <laughs> oh, really? This, I, I, you know, your shit. <laughs> wow,
4: oh, <laughs> well, sorry, history teacher here. Like, <laughs> all right, so
0: welcome to the history
2: podcast.
4: Sorry, wow, okay, <laughs> I love
2: that. Okay. <laughs> So so what what uh, how big is SkepCon and how many people do you think will show up?
4: So in the last years there were several hundreds, but not like um I think you could compare it maybe to the um European Skeptics Congress, maybe a bit less, because um we mostly have German speakers, so there won't be that many international people around. But um the skeptical event for everybody in germany and also um in switzerland um and austria and any other german speaking um country in europe and around the world so it's it's pretty big and um yeah it's just a very cool thing to to meet each other i think
2: yeah mhm uh, how are you directly involved in the preparations or are you just going to be there as a participant
4: so <laughs> For me, it actually depends if I can go, because um, the Friday is not a holiday, <laughs> so it, it might be that I won't even uh, be able to go, oh. because teachers can't take days off in Germany, so that's like a bit of a sad thing. But if I can, I will certainly go, um, but I haven't been involved in the, in the preparation too much. Um, it's pretty much, they try to stay local with the organizers. Because um, <clears throat> Augsburg is uh, like I, I live close to Cologne, and Augsburg is about I would say about six or seven um, hours away f- with with my with a car. Mm. So I couldn't uh, drive down there for three or four times just to, for example, get a location. And that's why they they try to organize it with local people.
2: Sure. So so the idea behind Skeptcon is that it's in different places every year, right?
4: Yeah, exactly, because like it would be unfair for the Bavarians to always do it in Hamburg, it would be unfair for the Berlin people to always do it in Stuttgart or like you, you get what I mean, it would, would be unfair sure. to always have it at some one place.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's always better to put the spotlight on a different place. Mm. Mm. I think um, even culturally not not only because of that, the the distances some someone has to travel, but also that it it highlights a different place in the country, a different group that that gets to to be deeply involved in the organization and everything. So I think it's a pretty good idea.
4: It is, and it's also um, so cool because you can always enjoy, uh, like you can learn stuff about Germany that you didn't know, even as a German. Um, because, for example, this time they do um, have like a city tour organized, including um, a very famous marionette theater in Augsburg, which is like very special for Augsburg. So yeah, it will be super cool to, to go there, I think. And for last year in Cologne, they, they also had um, like a special Cologne thing or things organized where you can just enjoy your own country, pretty much.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, So I really hope that you will be able to make it. And uh, who knows? If you, I don't know, accidentally recorded a couple of interviews we might consider running them on the show. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Oh, if I would accidentally stumble over somebody, that would yeah, be like Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, nice. and run an
0: interview in English. Oh, mm. <laughs> uh,
4: wow. That yeah. might happen.
0: <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, it would be great to, to hear about... Uh, what's going on in Augsburg. So we, we we hope that you can make it there. But before you say goodbye, um is there anything that you want to share with us in terms of uh what you're up to lately, what what your latest project is that you're working on, either on GSOW or a new interview or stuff?
4: Yeah, so the coolest thing I recently heard was I was at the Skeptics in the pub with Martin Mana and um There I met a few organizers of SkepCon and they said, I and you as the ESP, um, we can do a raffle and have a little game and the one who wins gets a ticket for the SkepCon for free.
0: Oh, great. Oh, how cool is that? That's fantastic. All right. Thank you, Martin. By the way, Margin Mana is basically the engine behind GWP, right? So The the German skeptics, yeah. The -hmm. the German skeptics, so... Mm -hmm. He's not always visible, but he keeps things moving.
2: Yeah, he's one of those guys that you don't see a l- maybe too much about, but he's doing all the work behind the scenes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Exactly, he's he's great, and he's also doing um, great work. He um, at the skeptics in the pub, he had a presentation about um, testing people who were claiming for like um, that they could um, douse like get water sources okay. <laughs> in the in mm-hmm. the ground and. Um, he very scientifically um, proved them wrong. So it was very interesting.
2: Yeah. Nice. But back to the raffles there. So so, what we, shall we do here? Should we let... How, uh, how do we do it? <laughs> yeah. No, but let's decide it here on the fly. I, I suggest that just any listener just send us an email at info at the ESP dot EU. And then we'll just uh, pick numbers out of a hat and we will award the ticket to uh, anyone who's who participates
4: and maybe also give us a reason why we should pick
2: you that's good as well give us a good reason why you should be the one who's winning the ticket
4: okay
0: so please get in touch let us know why you would like to be included in a lottery and then we will draw the actual names out of a hat and uh, what is the deadline Annika Uh, by what time do we need to be able to give you a name
4: it should be uh, uh maybe about the 20th of May. Okay. So that um the team the organizing team still has time enough to print the name of the lucky winner on name tags and everything else.
2: Very good. Tw- All
0: right. 20th of May. So dear listeners who actually speak German Or are not bothered by not speaking German and you still want to go, (laughs) (laughs) please let us know. Please get in touch. And uh, I understand that it uh, requires a little bit of planning. So in case you don't win, uh, then you still want to go. Obviously, you will have to pay for the tickets. But you could be the lucky one. So, yeah. Why don't you get in touch? Yeah. Info at
2: theesp.eu.
0: And on the last show before the 20th of May, we will announce the winner. So, we are talking about one ticket, right?
4: Yes, one ticket. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thank you. Very good. That's really good. It's good news. And thanks again to Martin Manor as well. All right. So, Annika.
4: Yes. <laughs>
0: hope the next time we'll be able to give you a name and uh, well wish you all the best thank you very much for coming back on the show thank you thank you very much nice to have you and please keep up the fantastic work that you do
4: will do it's a pleasure
0: Annika <laughs> <laughs> Merkabach thank you
4: thank you bye
0: Bye-bye. bye 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 Okay. Yes. Well, it's it's too bad that we won't be able to attend. I mean, I mean, we would, uh, but we wouldn't understand a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really hoping for Annika to be able to go and then possibly give us uh, a good report. A, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be brilliant. Yeah. And she's very good at that. Oh yeah. I mean, her interviews. Practically a journalist, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she is. Not only a teacher, which is a very important thing in today's society, but uh, yeah, she also has talents as. Uh, reporter. So, I suggest we uh, move on to our regular segments, uh, the first of which is, as usual, Yalana, talking about something that happened this week in Skepticism.
1: I want to talk about something that happened back in 1939, uh, on March 29th, and it was a great act that was passed by the Parliament of UK called Cancer Act of 1939 and so what this act did, it forbidden advertisement of cancer treatment anywhere by anyone ever to patients so if you're, even if you're a doctor, right, Mm -hmm. back in 1939 you couldn't just come along and say hey I've got this great pill, cure cancer, no 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 not allowed, fuck you yeah Uh, but also of course what's the most important part about this act was that it's forbidden quacks to advertise their their cancer cures and and, say, and saying that uh, crystals cure cancer and all that kind of nonsense. So back in the day, uh, the act had eight sections and uh, was very comprehensive at the time. In, in fact, it came out before NHS was formed and therefore it also dealt with the funding of the cancer treatments, etc. That kind of thing. NHS is National Health Service, by the way, just for just as a side note um but since then the act has been reformed and um, there is only a tiny bit of it now left and in fact that 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 portion of it was also re- reworded which was number four and it still sort of uh, talks about how how none nobody in uk can uh, can advertise cancer treatment which is good i mean i kind of thought back to to be honest living in uk um and uh, not watching that much tv but observing some of the adverts on, on on tv online whatever i have never noticed any dodgy pushy medical advertisement here good but i have spent some time in america as a student and even though i didn't watch that much tv i remember to this day how much and how intense their medical advertisement are you know they 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 peddling meds left, right, and center, so they don't have that wonderful act that we do, which we also now have got another thing that protects us from uh, pes- pesky advertisements This is consumer protection from unfair trading regulations of 2008, but that's slightly slightly different. So that was a great, uh, great Parliament Act uh, of 1939 and um, a great thing to do because I think out of all... Diseases, as cancer, is one of those that you know people get really desperate and very easily uh, influenced by various um, promises, and so I'd, I'd imagine that was done to protect consumers. Very much so, yeah. From <laughs> quite often from themselves, I'm assuming, but hmm. um, yeah. Hmm. I, th-
0: I think we we should be much harder on the, on those advertising false treatments or or just uh, dodgy things uh, on their website working with cancer patients or, or trying to offer cancer patients false hope as well. Uh, and I, I recently came across one video, a trailer of a video series that's about to be launched uh, in April. Uh, Discover the Hidden Knowledge of Eastern Medicine mm-hmm. uh, is, is the title. Wow. A Journey Through Asia. Oh, yeah, of course. And it's promoted by a website called, called The Truth About Cancer.
1: Of course, of course it is, yes. Have you heard of that, that, that things, website? Things they hiding from you. you yeah, know, things they're hiding from anything you. Anything that the has curve, the
0: yeah. word
2: truth in the title yeah, is a red flag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, so uh, actually, the conspiracy theorists um, proclaim that this act was another conspiracy to um, no, of uh, course s- it was. Uh, stop the cancer cure, so yeah. so like there is a cancer cure, but mm. because it's, it hasn't been advertised, mm. people can't. And like, that doesn't make any sense. No. Like. But also, remember that back in 1939, there was still no real protocol for cancer treatment. All they had was um, some radiotherapy, there was no chemotherapy. So, like, all these treatments were still in the making. And so it was just very easy to, you know, just make up
0: all sorts of bullshit. But But the the other thing is that if if we take everything that uh, these cancer truth people uh, usually say... Uh, then in 1939, cancer should not have been that much of an issue anyway. Because it's something that, according to them, comes uh, in uh, y- with civilization.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was like a, a purer time. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's a much purer time. But I, it just occurred to me that if it was considered somehow, or it is considered right now as an act back then in 1939 of uh, trying to attempt population control, then I have to say that uh, they've um, eventually found a much more efficient population control that's called World War II. Um, well, yeah. Starting in <laughs> 1939 as well. That, that was one of the so, uh, efficient... Yeah. yeah, terrible, terrible. Yeah. Okay, so we just... Um, be uh, more attentive to those,
2: and it it has similar. Uh, there are similar uh, legislations in in other countries as well. We have something in Sweden, and a, maybe it was modeled on on this one. I am not sure. We, c- mm-hmm. we could uh, Google that, I guess. But
1: and I believe it doesn't cover Ireland. But I'm not no. Yes, the act does not apply in Northern Ireland. Okay. Sorry.
2: Yes. All right, so All right. we can sell any kind of cancer quack treatment in Northern Ireland. Okay
0: you want you i'm pretty sure that f- if you choose your words wise wisely you can sell any anything even in the U- uh, the rest of the uk wow
2: okay.
1: just need to be there's always loopholes yeah there's always there are always let's not
2: do holes. that let's not let's be good guys
0: yeah let's- yeah okay thank you very much Elena. no problem my uh let's move on and see if there is something that pontus needs uh to poke the pope for
2: Yes, there is, of course. Oh, oh a couple of short stories uh, this week from the Holy See, and the Holy See—that sounds so strange. Just as a side note, it's spelled S E E, so it's not about any water. It's the sea, the Holy See, which is the—I I, I think it's the throne or the seat of the of the of the Pope. So, mm-hmm. no confusion there.
0: I think it's the whole reign of the Pope what's considered a Holy See. So the Pope, his power as the, the the ruler of the Vatican and the Holy Church and the leader of him. So yeah. it's it's this whole complex, uh, which is called the Holy okay. See. Okay,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, just a side note. Never mind. We have a couple of uh, short reports from that place, whatever that is. Okay. <laughs> that place. <laughs> the first one is... We have already Francis' own word that he doesn't like feminism, even though he once had a girlfriend uh, in his youth. Did you know that?
1: Yep. Yeah, check yeah. him out.
2: Uh, <laughs> he, well, it, it doesn't seem that he liked women in general at all by now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the Vatican all over is not a very f- female-friendly place, even though they have a women's magazine called Women Church World, which, which is a strange name for a magazine. Women? church world it's not women's church world or the world of w- females in the church or the church of women in the world i, it, I don't know it's a women church world it just a
0: list of it's things just, yeah, so
2: yeah. like it's i guess they have women on one page <laughs> church on the other page and then world of the other.
0: <laughs> women comma church comma world
2: anyway they have that they have yeah, that yeah. women church world uh, or rather they had that until the 21st of March because the all female editorial board on that date sent the letter of resignation to Frankie Ooh. because they say they are suffering, they are suffering, and I can believe that, from, and I quote, a climate of distrust and progressive delegitimization, end quote as they are trying to do their work inside the Vatican Communication Office. This monthly magazine has become a forum for revealing and uh, discussing hardship faced by nuns all around around the world, including the exploitation of labor and sexual abuse by priests. So I guess that's not very popular... uh, message to bring forward these days, or any days in the Vatican. So we'll see what happens to the magazine now that everybody has resigned and don't want to work there anymore. (laughs) That's the first news. The other one is a follow-up, actually, from two weeks ago when we talked about the French Cardinal, Philippe Barbarin, who was convicted of covering up child abuse and therefore sent his resignation to Francis. It will now shock you all to know That Frankie boy did not accept his resignation. And Monsieur Barbarin can now freely, safely return to his cardinal duties. Because what's a little covering up between friends, eh?
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. It's pure corruption. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: I guess so. And and now I guess uh, Barbarin can feel, well, I did offer my resignation. What else can I do? So his conscience is now clear. Mm. What
0: a name, by the way. Barbarin? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Barbarian. I mean... Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Uh, <laughs> There's a, there a song about him. Ba, 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 baran Ba, 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 ba baran. <laughs> Oh, no. Hang on. That was Barbara Ann. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That was
2: very close. <laughs> Points <right>. for trying. <laughs> okay. Carry on. <laughs> Last bit of news is um, that an, an attorney <laughs> in West, West Virginia has sued the Catholic Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston which apparently is a thing, and its former bishop, Michael J. Bransfield, uh, charging that they, quote, knowingly employed pedophiles and failed to conduct adequate background checks, end quote, for people working in the Catholic church uh, schools and camps there. And this lawsuit accuses the diocese of advertising safe environments for children, while at the same time choosing to, quote, cover up and conceal arguably criminal behavior of child sex abuse, end quote. So what's another uh, accusation? Well, there are two new things about this. First of all, it's groundbreaking in that it charges the whole diocese and not just individual priests.
0: And rightly so, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, that's...
2: Why not? They because should they, do they that. Cover
0: up, right? They did the cover-up, right? They employed those people. Yeah,
2: yeah. The organization is criminal, not just individuals. No. But secondly, also, that it uses consumer law and consumer fraud as a strategy in the lawsuit. Basically, it's consumer protection. They have advertised a safe environment for the kids, and then, well, they abuse them.
0: That is a That's
2: good, one. good. I think. Maybe we can get them that way. I don't know. Let's see what that uh, lawsuit Brings in the future, because it may be a new way of uh, of, yeah, uh, of
0: approaching it. Yeah. Of
2: approaching it.
0: And based on the success rate of these cases so far, I think new approaches have to be yeah yes, tried. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, yeah, yeah, we we have to tackle this issue much more efficiently than yeah. We have we're past. getting nowhere now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's right. what I had from the Catholic Church
0: and Francis this time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, Frankie boy. (laughs) Thanks very much, Pontus. Thank you. And let's move on to uh, discussing uh, what's been happening lately in Europe. Do you guys believe in karma? Not really, no. 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 Well, some people started quoting Karma recently when uh, the news uh, broke about the Italian politician uh-huh. who had been opposed to mandatory vaccination. I know where this is going. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, has, been, has been hospitalized with chickenpox. It is ridiculous. And um, he, he does say uh, his name is uh, Massimiliano Fedriga and uh, uh he's a far right politician and um the far right is in the is, is a government um force right now uh with uh cinque cinque stelle uh, five star they formed a, yeah the five star movement they formed the coalition and, and um he is one of those um, being opposed to mandatory vaccination that has recently been introduced just 2 weeks ago uh was introduced um and it will result in uh, parents having to pay up to 500 euros of fines if their children have not been vaccinated and they are being sent to school. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to kindergarten, they can even be turned away from kindergarten if they haven't been vaccinated. So the the mandatory vaccination schedule includes chickenpox as well, (laughs) as well as others, obviously, with um, uh, things like polio and measles. But this guy has been an opponent, and an outspoken opponent of uh, vaccination. And a couple of days ago, he was hospitalized with chickenpox. Uh, we know that chickenpox, when it hits someone as an adult, it can be much more severe. Yeah. Uh, but even even for children, it could be much more severe than it is usually perceived as. Uh, so people, some people don't vaccinate their, their, their children against it and they say that the children just have to go through it and it will be fine. But it does have complications sometimes. Yeah. So it's much safer to vaccinate your children. And, and
2: even if not, I mean I, I'm a parent and all my three kids have had chicken pox. And it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible in the way when they often get it when they're very young. Yeah. So you can't really explain it to them. And they are itching all over their body. And it sort of never ends. And they some of the, the what do you call them blisters, they they yeah, blisters, they, yeah. they break and it's and you it actually can scar you as well.
0: And it, and it's yeah and it can it can stay stay with you forever yeah, but even it, for, for all yeah but want. even
2: if it doesn't scar you it doesn't always but it it's very yeah. very painful and very very uncomfortable and uh, you know, basically they cry for for 2 weeks yeah in my experience And And, uh, the
0: varicella virus that causes it can stay in in your body in 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 small packets. Doesn't go away, and later on can come out uh, again as shingles. Yeah, uh, which is which is also very very. uh, I mean, it's very unpleasant, very painful, uh, and it can it can lead to complications as well. So, um, you uh, complications uh, can include pneumonia, encephalitis. And and those are serious issues, uh, um, yeah. and uh, potentially deadly as well. So so yeah yeah so uh, so this guy now he's trying to back back down on his uh, previous statements, but uh, the, the, uh, the, an interview is circulating uh, on the internet huh. when he called described this law Stalinist. Yeah yeah okay. In terms of okay. uh, being being compulsory and that um obviously it's it's not a choice, so then now he tries to clarify uh his previous statements as his opposition being not towards the actual vaccination because he vaccinated his own kids as well, oh did he? but he's opposing it being mandatory, but one has to argue that that if it's not mandatory. Obviously, a lot of people and a growing number of people will choose not to vaccinate their kids, and that will lead to yeah. um, terrible issues uh, with regards to public health. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting turn of events. Oh, well, hopefully he learned his lesson. Yeah, yeah, and I wish him well. Of course, I do hope that uh, that he's going to fully recover. I think he already has. But uh, still, it's, it's a bit ironic. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lesson to yeah. learn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move
2: on to Ireland, and I'm f- afraid this will be uh, very sad news. Mm. In episode 132 in July last year, we awarded a really right prize to Laura Brennan in Ireland. Laura Brennan was diagnosed with uncurable cervical cancer in 2016 as a consequence of an HPV infection. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there is a vaccine for HPV, but tragically, Laura ne- was never vaccinated because she was just a little too old when the vaccination started for, for teenage girls. And right after when she was diagnosed, uh, she contacted the health service executive and volunteered to publicly advocate for the vaccine that she could never had. And since then, she's participated in TV shows, in promotion videos, and numerous articles to promote the vaccine. And doing so, there's no doubt that she has saved lives. Tragically and inevitably, on 20th of March, she passed away as there was nothing to do to save her life. She was 26 years old, and we at the ESP, we salute her for her courage and her commitment.
3: My name is Laura. I was diagnosed with cervical cancer stage 2b in December 2016 and unfortunately it's no longer curable. If I had had the vaccine I wouldn't be in the position I am in today because the vaccine protects against HPV16 and HPV16 caused by cancer. When I got my diagnosis, I decided that I would do anything to stop this from happening to anyone else. Sometimes when you hear about cervical cancer, you don't actually think that could be my daughter or that could be my friend. I am just your average 25 year old girl and it did happen to me. As long as I'm lucky to be here, I will continue to share the message to anyone that will listen. The HPV vaccine is safe and effective and it is the best tool we have to prevent this cancer from happening.
2: So, very sad news indeed.
1: Mm. I guess we, we can find a silver lining in her message and let's hope that people will take her advice. Absolutely.
2: And I, I think she's already made a lot of difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. We're going to keep sharing mm. her message. Absolutely. And um, and try to help her cause mm. even after mm. her death.
1: Oof. I, I think this is we, we need more stories like this, personal stories that people can relate to. Because yeah. numbers and statistics is great, but I think it's very... Hard to emotionally appeal to people with numbers and statistics. Yeah.
0: yeah, but on the other hand, when when something, a piece of misinformation, gets into the public eye, it's absolutely impossible to get rid of it. Hmm. And uh, I was fascinated to find out how deeply it got into the, the everyday conversations and that HPV vaccine is harmful. And a lot of people... Seemingly well-informed people, yeah, keep propagating that piece of misinformation. Yeah, it's a myth and that, that falsehood. It's a myth. <sighs> it's unbelievable. It was about a year ago that um, I had a gynecologist in one of my groups, and we ended up discussing that anti-vaccination sentiment. And she said, so I'm I'm quoting her because because I'm, I haven't done my research into this. She said that already now mind you that was a year ago Uh, back then there were already 15 strains of uh, HPV that there was vaccination against Mm. and that was a year ago Mm. and it keeps changing it keeps keeps that was already in practice so it's it's very promising and it's probably the only kind of cancer that you can vaccinate against. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yes. How can you not? How can you not take that opportunity, knowing what what cancer can do? It's yeah. Yeah. beyond my comprehension. I've
2: based. seen uh, statements that I haven't checked. I should say, but uh, that if theoretically, if everybody got vaccinated, we could even stop vaccinating in 2050, because it would be eradicated. Yeah. Eradicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If that won't happen. I'm, I'm, I can predict that already now, but it, theoretically <laughs> yeah. it's possible. Unfortunately,
0: yeah. it be a... mm. yeah, yeah, should yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. So, But I do, I do think that we all agree that uh, somehow uh, spreading misinformation and falsehoods should be stopped. And there are countries trying to tackle that issue. One of those countries is Montenegro. And Montenegro just came out with a new law that makes plagiarism illegal. So Montenegro, um, I don't know how much our listeners know about Montenegro, but it's a little, a small, teeny tiny country in southeastern Europe uh, uh, with about 600,000 inhabitants. So it's not not a massive country. But still, they have one university, uh, one public university in Port Gorita, which is the, the capital. And that is a university where a lot of things have happened recently. I mean, in the recent years, I mean. So uh, since the independence of of Montenegro, a lot of issues broke out because of things like plagiarism. So they made it illegal, but not only plagiarism was made illegal, but other forms of um, trying to jeopardize uh, scientific integrity and the integrity of science and scientific conduct. This is why the law was put together as an interdepartmental working with the participation of universities, trade union, NGOs and the staff. So uh, this information, by the way, is coming from an interview that was conducted by Retraction Watch. Uh, they interviewed uh, Mubera Kurpayović, the director of higher education at the country's ministry of education. So yeah, they, they asked her to explain it in a bit more detail. And interestingly, it's not only plagiarism that will be criminalized. And I, she doesn't speak of uh, plagiarism being punished by imprisonment, for example. But um, obviously, it has to have repercussions, like, for example, uh, expelling people who um, do anything that, uh, that is included in the law. Uh, so any kind of scientific misconduct and not only that but falsifications of scientific research obviously quoting anyone out of context Mm. which is an interesting part but which is um, near and dear to my heart is uh, the part of academic integrity including the copying and using of non-approved means and literature during exams for students and taking exams on behalf of another person Mm -hmm. and uh, any kind of cheating in exams and uh, other uh, knowledge checking forms. So I think it's a very progressive thing to do, but it raises a couple of questions because who will decide and who will investigate? Whose job is it going to be to investigate? And obviously uh, the sanctions are not absolutely clear. I mean, for example, when it comes to students cheating, they will be expelled from the university courses and uh, university professors whose professorship was on the basis of their previous research that was based on plagiarism or any kind of uh, scientific misconduct. Obviously, they're going to be stripped of their titles and stuff. So this is pretty cool. Hmm. And they are the first country to do that. But let me give you a little bit of history in order to understand all that. For example, in 2014, the then science minister, uh, Sonia Vlahovic, turned out to have had copied two thirds of a 2010 paper on tourism, just copy paste hmm. from other academics. And that was a, an important part of her scientific progress and then uh first of all she started uh, by explaining that it it was not that important and she would have had the professorship anyway even without that piece of research but then she later on ended up resigning so uh, that 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 was pretty cool however on a country level they wanted to to bring about a reform that was tackling that issue they ended up plagiarizing themselves <laughs> so how how it happened wow that the national education council in 2017 wow was caught stealing complete blocks of text from a croatian panel that uh, started a, sim- a similar reform but they ended up abandoning that reform in croatia and it popped up in the montenegro reform council my god so that was ridiculous and um, <laughs> this is how they ended up having this actual law and i think it's pretty cool i think it's a good move forward we have to be very cautious uh, not to use it for political gain Uh, of any kind but uh, sometimes it's inevitable like i don't know if you've heard of that but in 2012 our then president of the state had to resign over a plagiarism that he had committed in his doctoral thesis Mm -hmm. so uh, but it
2: must be easier now to to find out because you can search Google search, and you can compare digitally texts like like this. This
0: This This looks very similar. Oh, wait a minute. This is actually the same.
2: Yeah, 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 it
0: should be, it should be.
2: Actually, you should be considered a bit stupid if you try to copy text
0: from someone else yeah. these days. It- For example, with uh, with our previous president, he claimed that it was not plagiarism because it was a translation, but it was a literal translation <laughs> from somebody else's work. I'm pretty sure that I I haven't checked it, but uh, I'm pretty sure that um when it came to that plagiarism of uh, the the National Education Council from Croatian, it was not that difficult because Montenegrin, it's a, a language that is basically a variety of Serbo-Croatian. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that it wasn't too hard. To it find. wasn't even no. altered. It, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't hard to just pick up, right. copy and paste, uh, because it, it it didn't even had to be mm. translated. Okay, so Good. well done. Plagiarism is now illegal, and other forms of scientific misconduct and the jeopardizing integrity of science in Montenegro.
1: Okay. So I've got something that um, I wanted to mention some time ago, but kind of didn't come up. But I, w- I want to go back to it. It's um, uh, about the IndieGoGo campaign. So um, I think, Andres, if I remember correctly, you've you've talked about it in episode 100, number 158, and uh, it was a campaign to raise funds for Vaxxed Two. Yeah. An unfortunate campaign. But anyways, one of our listeners. Um, Got in touch with us um, very kindly uh, after listening to the episode, um, and she <laughs> she did a bit of research on com- um, Indiegogo terms and conditions in terms of what can be funded via their, their website, and in fact she discovered that um, there there are some uh, interesting clauses in the, the their community guidelines. So, for example. Products making false or misleading health claims, including claims implying that a product is, is as effective as prescription drugs or controlled substances, medication, dietary supplements, uh, drug, medication, medical devices. But uh, so, but then she, um, well, she, in fact, she contacted the, the Indiegogo, and. Um, at, at Sort of attracted their attention to the fact that this va- vaxxed is completely nonsensical claim, not based on the science uh, or current knowledge of how vaccines work. And I've I've checked actually Indiegogo now, and the, the campaign has been stopped. I mean they raised sixty thousand dollars, which they they unfortunately kept all of it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's no longer a part of the, the Indiegogo. Wow. So what she su- what she suggested was that, and I'm, I'm assuming it's because it's hard to patrol. Uh, every single campaign. Uh, if somebody sees something on Indiegogo that is um, nonsensical, sort of alternative medicine type thing, um, they can bring their attention of this campaign to the Indiegogo, and the they a- apparently do take action. So, mm-hmm. uh, if if the if the claim is substantial, I mean it's not ideal. Um, I mean in <laughs> an ideal world, we wouldn't have these kind of things funded. Or potentially funded from elsewhere, or, and that's I guess another debate and conversation we could have whether that's that will stop yeah. these projects. But from but being the go- but good news is um, that if you
2: see something on Indiegogo that doesn't comply with their rules and regulations, you can report it, and they can yeah. be stopped. Yeah, and that's very good. Yeah
1: because in fact they do have guidelines uh, and that these guidelines are based in reality facts uh, scientific uh, knowledge uh, and uh, critical thinking which is good to know always good to know yeah so um yeah I, I, and i want to shout uh, to give her a shout
2: report the bastards yeah
1: <laughs> yeah nice um no i wanted to give her a shout out uh, to say thank you very much for bringing our attention to this sorry it took me um a few episodes to get back to you but um yeah great appreciate it
0: yeah thanks cool and from indiegogo campaigns to um yalana's favorite which is uh, a petition <laughs> <laughs> You like petitions, don't you?
1: Well, I just don't think they're very effective. I'm sorry.
0: We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Because there is another climate change petition ongoing currently. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've heard of uh, children going out protesting against the lack of action against climate change and uh, just leaving school and uh, going out in the street and stuff but there is another thing uh, in the making which is a climate change petition by uh, four oxford students and they uh, campaign for better teaching on the subject of climate change and Uh not only climate change Um, I I have to say I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be a dick about this, but... um, Go ahead, we have an explicit tag. The way they formed the petition and they worded it, I think it tells a lot about their lack of knowledge, about where the problems are divided into climate change and, for example, the waste problem on Earth. Because there are two separate issues, but they... Talk about it as if it was one. I mean, I'm not saying that the two should not be discussed together, but uh, that the distinction should be made. But the petition is um, doing very well. It was uh, posted on change.org about four weeks ago, but uh, now they are at 59,000 signatures. Mm. So uh, they want climate change to be made a core part of the national curriculum. And this is the basis on which uh, some people tra- started atta- attacking them for being ignorant about the cor- curriculum and that they, they should not be uh, attacking the government on this uh, basis because it is part of geography and also uh, science classes. And uh, Full Fact, which is um fact-checking charity, in the UK, uh, they started their research into what the actual thing is uh, about the national curriculum, and uh, they found that um, Key Stage 3... And four has science and geography included in them. As key stage three is the age between 11 and 14. Uh, key stage four is 14 to 16 years. And at key stage three, both subjects, I mean science and geography, are compulsory. And science is compulsory at uh, key stage four. But what the science key stage three curriculum includes, and I quote, the production of carbon dioxide by human activity and the impact on climate, which is cool. Science Stage 4 covers evidence and uncertainties in evidence for additional anthropogenic causes of climate change. Ooh, now, an that's an dodgy, bit, that's dodgy. Yeah, uh, uncertainties in yeah,
2: Uncertainties evidence. in anthropogenic... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I mean, there are, but I don't think that should be specifically pointed out in the national curriculum, unless it's for the reason to calm down a few opponents of that to be included. Uh, in Parliament, mm. I, I mean. So, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, potential effects of and mitigation of increased levels of carbon dioxide and methane on the Earth's climate. And uh, the geography uh, curriculum covers weather and climate, including the change in climate from the Ice Age to the present. That's pretty cool. How human and physical processes interact to influence and change landscape, environments, and the climate. And how human activity relies on effective functioning of natural systems. Okay, that's cool however if anyone reads the actual wording of the petition you have to see that they don't claim that it's not part of the curriculum what they claim is that it has to be there has to be more emphasis on teaching all these and i have to agree with them that for example no one knows exactly what's going on in a classroom behind closed doors right what the teacher actually tells the students And if it's not a core part of curriculum, if it's not uh, a very important horizontal part of the curriculum that that, that go through everything that they teach, it won't really matter. It's like when I was studying at university, uh, the biology course, evolution was only taught in year four. Mm -hmm. By then you've learned a whole lot of things about biology and how the world works. But if it's not more than a module in year four, It will not be an integral part of your thinking about biology. And I see a similar thing happening here with climate change. Yeah, you will learn about climate change, that's okay. But if, for example, the teacher is not very convinced that climate change actually is man-made, then uh, you will not learn about it in that much depth and detail. But you should. Yeah. Because that will be the main issue of your adulthood. Yeah. But that, when you're a kid, right? Yeah.
2: Now. But how do you fix that, though? I mean, you, you're saying that not all teachers are good, basically. Yeah. How can we fix that?
1: Which is the case. Yeah. You can't replace them.
0: If it's a much more important part of the national curriculum, a core cu- part of the curriculum, then it has to be, for example, Ofsted, which is the the uk's educational uh, authority that th- does the inspections of schools mm-hmm. they should be able to assess whether it is taught in enough detail yeah. and the the requirements are met in terms of how integral a part of their thinking it should be and uh, they they go even further that they want the schools to be an example an institution that leads by example and in that regard, they ask for schools to be run sustainably. Mm. And that's another interesting topic. I mean, Ofsted and the national education system should require schools to be an ex- example to students mm. in that regard. I agree. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was uh, it was worth mentioning.
1: Okay. Doki. I guess the next piece of news is somewhat related, although not really. Um, and it's about conspiracy theories. Although mm-hmm. there's plenty of conspiracy theories around climate, climate change. Can Lots imagine. of them,
0: yeah.
1: Yes, uh, but it's it's actually about a new book that was published by von Hom Gero
0: Whom we interviewed on episode 84 on this very podcast.
1: That's right, yes. And um, the book is called Conspiracy Myths. Let me try to pronounce it in German. Uh, Verschwörungmythen. Wie wir mit Verderthen Fakten für Dumm verkauft werden. Hopla! Was
0: this, this German <laughs> or uh, early English? <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: which translates, what's this other part translates as? How we, we're sold twisted facts for stupid. But uh, basically, he picks up on biggest conspiracy theories out there 9 11, Flat Earth. The usual suspects. Yeah, it looks at them, makes some uh, analysis, uh, and uh, yeah, so it's a good one to maybe have a flick through to see what what has been sort of gathered in one place and um, kind of discussed and researched. Mm -hmm. Which is not the first book about conspiracy theories, but uh, obviously the latest and uh, also great because we know the author. So yeah, Holm
2: is a great guy. So uh, check it out. It's in German, but uh, check it out if you understand German i think it's re- really good yeah he's he's a nuclear physicist by the mm. way
0: yeah yeah, yeah. he so knows he
2: knows his shit He's he's smart
0: <laughs> he's smart yeah all right i believe this has been all of the news items for this week that means that we are moving on to pontus telling us who's been really wrong lately oh really wrong for
2: fuck's sake for the first time ever I'm going to hand out two really wrong awards to the same recipient in one episode. What do you think about that?
0: Okay. okay. <laughs>
2: I was investigating one of the things, and then the other thing turned up in the same at the same time when I was googling. So, this dubious honor goes to Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. So first we go to Sweden. In Sweden, it's allowed to have uh, private schools, so-called free schools, including some that are run by uh, religious congregations. I am against that.
0: Shockingly, are uh, free schools in general, or no, just no, religious the, the ones?
2: religious ones? Okay, the religious ones. Yeah. And my feelings about that has just been justified by a, an ongoing trial against Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses has a, had a big national gathering in Stockholm last year where they were showing propaganda films on a big screen. Some of these films were also being shown in their schools and uh, some are outright LBTQ hostile and some are probably contain other repulsive messages. Not, that's not very surprising, but the whole thing led to an awareness that they have not sought the necessary approval from the Swedish Media Council, who needs to, by law, approve all films that are shown in Swedish schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And these films that they showed uh, would certainly not have been allowed. And m- more importantly, it turns out they have never even tried to submit any of their films for approval. So there's now an ongoing trial for the use of these films on on this, first of all, on this national gathering. Because in this national gathering there are also children. And uh, the possible outcome of the trial is just that they will get a fine. But more importantly, this will now lead to these films being forbidden, probably, in their schools from now on. And it may even have more repercussions because it will renew, probably, the discussion about free schools in Sweden altogether. And I think that's very good. Defectors from Jehovah's Witnesses are now coming forward with different stories, not just about films, but also terrible indoctrination and fearmongering in the classroom. One person said she was taught as a fact when she was a child how the earth would be littered with piles of rotting corpses of unbelievers and sinners at the end days.
1: How cheerful! I mean, can you be- How cheerful is that? Yeah, me?
2: cheerful. How can you believe feeding that to 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 small children at the school? They they will be scarred for life. And sh- she
0: definitely said she would. She was. Uh, well, imagine the Middle Ages, especially the Renaissance age. Yeah. when people started started painting the actual yeah inferno the actual the actual ooh book of revelation stuff yeah the graphical representations of hell what
1: is what wow. is it do you think that they didn't they didn't have effective ways of probably not punishing kids but um
0: so for for a long long time uh, the actual hell was not part of the cultural discourse no,
2: that's true or, that's true the everyday yeah. discourse yeah, it's not mentioned in the in the bible
0: there are graphical explanations of uh, the last day of judgment by John, the evangelist. But uh, I think up until Dante, it was not really part of the public discourse. M- maybe not, maybe not.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, but... the, 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 thi- the sorry, th- No, sorry, no, that's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about the free schools in Sweden and uh, especially the religious free schools uh, is just one part and uh, because there's another part of... of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses news that is breaking. It's actually from the US, but since it also concerns them, and I have no reason to believe that it doesn't happen in Europe too, I want to bring it up. It turns out that The Watchtower, which is Jehovah's Witnesses' organization and also the the magazine that they hand out all the time.
0: One of my favorite journals.
2: One of your favorites, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Anyway. Bad bad time reading.
2: The the Watchtower sent out and received surveys in, in the US between 1997 and 2001. So it's quite a long time ago. And they received surveys back from 775 US congregations naming in total around 20,000 child molesters molesters in the church. So they sent out a survey, do you have any known uh, child molesters in your congregations? And they got 20,000 names back. And they've kept those names in a secret database ever since. So it's about 20 years ago, but they didn't do anything about it. 20,000 molesters they knew about it and it probably means like there is 100,000 victims if not more Mm. and they've been covering it up for 20 years. There
1: seems to be a pattern emerging what is it with people holding back on reporting this molestation in religious organizations I really don't understand. I have no idea
2: yeah, right so uh, Jehovah's Witnesses again, so um, for being a terrible organization (laughs) Jehovah's Witnesses who should not be allowed to come anywhere close to children at all, in my opinion. <laughs> they get today's prize for being really repulsive. Really wrong is not good enough. Really repulsive is the, the word for today. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, there should be a minimum, minimum age limit on religion. Huh? This is such a great idea. Wouldn't it idea? be great that yeah. nobody introduced any religious thoughts to anybody, uh, be, let's say below the age of eighteen? Oh yeah,
0: because yeah. fuck religious indoctrination. Then
2: when they, when you're when you're a grown up, you can choose to believe in all this bullshit, but don't tell this to six year olds. Bloody hell! Or don't abuse them for that. Yeah,
0: matter. but the problem is, you know, if you don't indoctrinate children with a religions, they're much more likely to turn out being without religion oh, for the rest of their lives. And I didn't think of that. I, I think that is <laughs> not a great prospect for any kind of religious leader. Yeah, And I'm
2: not saying my suggestion is at all uh, realistic, but uh, it wouldn't be great. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Pontus. All right, thanks. And before we conclude this show, I'd like to ask you, Jana, again, to hit us with a nice quote. Please do.
1: Um, today's quote is from Anatole France, was a French poet, journalist and successful novelist. He said that an education isn't how much you have committed to memory or even how much you know. It's being able to differentiate between what you do know and what you don't. Ooh, so there we go.
2: That's pretty, that's telling it how it is. I think that's good. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's hard.
1: <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> no,
2: just a question. You said he was a successful novelist. But also poet and a journalist. Wasn't he successful as a poet and a journalist?
4: (laughs) 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 Just a a side note, only.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's an ongoing debate whether a lot of knowledge will lead to um, a, a good way of thinking. It's not. I mean, you have to learn a way of thinking. Knowledge will help you put together stuff, but it's not only knowledge that you want to acquire. You want to be able to learn by your own and um, organize your the information that you have learned in a way that it will lead you forward. Yeah,
2: and and realizing that you don't know things and what those things
0: are. Oh, it's. I think that's very it's important. The most important. Realizing part of it. your limitations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our limitation is uh, time-related. I'm afraid. Um, currently, so we have to conclude this show, and uh, I mean. Uh, we have more really limitation than than only time. It's just uh, currently <laughs> we are limited by time with uh, this show.
2: Yeah. The most obvious uh, limitation right now is time. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, we had to make the distinction. Uh, so that means that we are concluding this show, and I'd like to thank both of you, Yalana and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you, guys. Woohoo! Many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye.
1: Goodbye. Пока-пока.
0: This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.thesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe.
2: And now I don't remember what I was going to. say. <laughs> okay, oh, that'll, that'll be fun funky, editing funky that
4: useless.
2: one. Yeah. So, so tell us where it is and uh, where uh, where it is and when. Sorry. So I'll take that again. <laughs> where so, it so, is
0: and
2: where? <laughs> so, let me say that again. Yellow. Yes, that's me. Oh, <laughs> ah, I know. Thanks for clearing that up.
1: You're up. Okay. Okay. So, uh, anyways, so. I want to talk about something that was um, done back in
0: (sighs) when was it? Nineteen (laughs) thirty-nine.
1: I don't fucking know. I
2: don't. I don't. It says so in the notes, so I think so.
1: I don't even know which. Hold on, I I had it all open and now. (laughs) Yeah. It's all here. Hang on, I'm just missing a date. Okay.
0: If it's just a module in year four, what are you doing? (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> my um, fucking cat it's decided cat. he had enough.
0: Yeah, okay.